coalesced around mystics and gang leaders, not gladiators and ex-Roman soldiers. Spartacus struck a chord in the Roman psyche. No other leader of rebel slaves was so well-remembered or so feared. As a gladiator, Spartacus belonged to a group of men who were licensed to kill. To kill each other, that is. Romans had a lurid fascination with the arena, but rebel gladiators aroused disgust and then dread. Spartacus came from Thrace, roughly Bulgaria, an area known to Romans for its fierce fighters and ecstatic religion, and for its alternation between alliance and rebellion. As a one-time allied soldier in Rome's service, Spartacus should have been a Roman success story. Instead, he had become the enemy within. Thracians, Celts, Germans, barbarians all, in Romans' eyes, made up most of his followers. Earlier slave rebels came from the citified Greek East. Fairly or not, the Romans scorned their warrior prowess. They dreaded a fight against the barbarians. Timing made matters worse. When Spartacus began his revolt, Rome faced major wars at both ends of its empire. Mithridates, a king in Asia Minor, today Turkey, had sparked a substantial war against Rome in 88 BC that spread to Greece and Thrace and was still going strong after 15 years. Meanwhile, in Spain, the renegade Roman general Sertorius ran a breakaway government whose Roman leaders had the support of a native resistance movement. Finally, at the same time, off the coasts of Crete, the Roman navy struggled to catch pirates who were plundering the sea lanes. Rome eventually defeated all these challengers. But in 73 BC, that outcome was not yet clear. By exploiting propaganda masterfully, Spartacus threatened to widen his base of support. He sounded themes that appealed not only to slaves, but also to Italian nationalists and to supporters of Mithridates. Although his message probably attracted few free men to his banner, in the end it was enough to frighten Rome. Spartacus's was the most famous slave revolt in antiquity, and arguably the largest as well. It was a revolt that absorbed southern Italy, caught Rome with its homeland virtually defenseless, led to nine defeats of Roman armies, and kept antiquity's greatest military power at bay for two years. How was it possible? Why did the rebels do so well for so long? Why did they fail in the end? And how could the world's only superpower have let such a problem persist in its own backyard? It's a story that should have been in pictures, and of course, it is. In 1960, Spartacus appeared, a Hollywood epic starring Kirk Douglas and directed by Stanley Kubrick. The film was a hit then and remains a classic. It was loosely based on a best-selling 1951 novel by Howard Fast, which he wrote after serving a jail term for contempt of Congress during the McCarthy era. An American communist who eventually left the party, Fast was not the first communist to admire Spartacus. Lenin, Stalin, and Marx himself saw Spartacus as the very model of the proletarian revolutionary. German Marxist revolutionaries of 1919 called their group the Spartacus League. Their failed uprising grew legendary. Soviet composer Aram Khachaturian wrote a ballet about Spartacus that won him the Lenin Prize for 1959. Non-communist revolutionaries admired Spartacus as well. Toussaint L'Ouverture, the hero of the Haitian Revolution, history's only successful mass slave revolt, emulated Spartacus. Giuseppe Garibaldi, who fought to unify Italy, wrote the preface to a novel about Spartacus. Vladimir Yabotinsky, 
the Zionist revolutionary, translated that novel into Hebrew. Voltaire, the French Enlightenment philosopher, judged Spartacus's rebellion as perhaps the only just war in history. Even anti-communists approved of Spartacus. Ronald Reagan, for example, cited him as an example of sacrifice and struggle for freedom. But while Spartacus was the stuff of legend, he was no myth. He is, however, an enigma to us. Spartacus left no writings. His followers scratched out no manuscripts. Surviving ancient narratives come from Roman or Greek writers who wrote from the point of view of the victors. To make things worse, few of their writings survive. Still, they leave absolutely no doubt about it. Spartacus was real. Plutarch, C.A. A.D. 40s through the 120s, and Apian, C.A. A.D. 90s through the 160s, provide the most complete accounts of Spartacus to survive from antiquity, but they are short.